0: this story is an interesting one. It's a bit, uh, you know, unnerving. This story It's written by Stuart Bell. He's the national investigative reporter for global news. And he, he has, uh, put it up on our website AM 640 Toronto.com. And basically it's starting to be shared on uh, mass. It says what happens when an ISIS member returns to Canada? It's a story of one Toronto area, man, if you haven't had the opportunity to write it or to read this piece that he wrote, I h- highly recommend it. Um, Stewart's on the line with us right now. Stewart, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. No problem. So you wrote this piece for Global News. It's going viral, and rightfully so. I, I had a read earlier on before my show, and it's a shocking story of an ex ISIS police who served in Syria, and he is back in Canada and living freely. Set us up. Tell us the story.
1: Yeah, well, he's a he's a young guy. Grew up uh, around Toronto, and uh, went to high school here. But then he went back to uh, to Pakistan. And uh, claims that in uh, Lahore, in that area, where he was applying to go to universities, he instead got uh, recruited into ISIS and traveled to Turkey and down into Syria. And he became uh, a member of what's called the Hizbah, which is the, basically they're the enforcers, uh, the police of uh the morality place, I guess, of, of ISIS. Their job is to go around the streets and make sure everybody is adhering to the ISIS code of conduct about, you know, what they're supposed to wear. They're not allowed to shave their beards for men. Men and women aren't supposed to talk to each other. Um, you know, the, all of these things that uh, that are punished pretty severely sometimes. Um, in particular, the crime that they call apostasy, which is. Anybody who voices or is even accused of having views that stray from the very strict uh, ISIS ideology uh, would be taken to a public uh, square, either beheaded and shot and then crucified. And their bodies left there for a number of days as a warning to everybody else. So this was a, you know, this is pretty, and I'm sure many people have seen videos of.
0: It's barbaric. It's gruesome.
1: Yeah, it's, it's absolutely horrific um and this young man claims that uh over time he uh he th- these killings in particular uh turned him off of Isis he began to see uh, the hypocrisy of Isis that uh, it said one thing and did another and that it was basically just a, a killing machine and he uh, he left, and he, so he le- he spent about five months there.
0: But you, Stuart, back. you say he left. It, it's not too easy to get away from uh, ISIS in, if you're in their ranks. Do, how did he get out of there?
1: Well, he says he took a motorcycle at night, and he didn't tell any. He told one person, otherwise he uh, he kept it to himself, and he just took off and went north. And he crossed the border back into Turkey and was arrested, and. Uh, So, I mean, this is the story he's telling us. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: You sat down with this guy?
1: Yeah, I did. And he's telling a fairly consistent story. Uh, Some of the things we were able to verify, some of the things we couldn't. Um, But he spent a couple of years in Pakistan uh, after that laying low until he finally came back last year.
0: Did he tell you why he spent the time in Pakistan? Because that's the, that's the one thing about your story. You know, when I read it, the fact that he said, well, I didn't like what ISIS was doing, so I decided I wanted to get out of there. But instead of coming straight away home to Canada to, you know, live a normal life again that he's trying to do now, uh, he spends time in Pakistan. Why?
1: Well, he was born there, for one. He came to Canada at the age of six uh and he was going to university there so he finished his studies in uh in Lahore okay and and then came back to canada but i think part of that was also wanting to wait uh until perhaps things calmed down a bit and he felt it was uh a safer time for him to come back to canada mhm yeah uh,
0: okay so was he uh, worried that uh he would be apprehended as soon as he came back to canada for being with isis
1: yeah in fact he still is uh and that's a it's, remains a, a possibility. The, uh, he, he partly um, outed himself because after he got back to Canada, uh, like many young people, he was active on social media and probably saying more than he should have. And he um, he made some posts on Instagram where he was critical of the ISIS leader, al-Baghdadi, but uh, to kind of, kind of sort of reinforce the credibility of what he was saying, he said that he was an ex-ISIS member, that he'd been active in the Hezbollah police in Manbij uh, city. And so I think that was noticed. And uh, very quickly, the uh, CSIS at first arrived at his house, and the RCMP came later on.
0: And so the RCMP are still monitoring his his movements, are they? And
1: well, I don't know if they're monitoring him, but they're certainly uh, aware of him. Yep. And I think there's been an investigation, but there's been no charges. And uh, I well, think uh, when you look at a lot of these people that go abroad and uh, serve as foreign terrorist fighters and come back, um, you know, a lot of them just aren't charged. It's, it's. Uh, I think the police find it very difficult to uh, collect enough evidence to bring to a court Uh, about what somebody might have done in a country like Syria or Iraq. And so these these cases tend to not end in prosecution.
0: Give us an idea of of how many people you're aware of that are, you know, like this uh, young 20-year-old that's come back after serving as an ISIS police officer in Syria that could be living in Canada just among us on a daily basis trying to get their lives back on track.
1: Well, I know of a couple that have come back from uh, ISIS. There's a bunch more that have come back after trying to join ISIS, but they've been... Uh, intercepted en route, and the the latest Canadian government figures are that there are about sixty returnees in Canada that's what they call them people who have been abroad and have come back and are uh are now you know living here in like this fellow he's going to university he's working in his family business, and uh he's going about his his life
0: and why do you think he was motivated to speak with you, Stuart, and share his story
1: um I don't exactly know because it may not have been the smartest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um but um you know maybe there's he, he sees it as part of his reform process that uh, to denounce um what he did and to uh to perhaps discourage other people from doing to making the mistakes that he made.
0: Did he ever tell you he was sorry uh, about what he's done? I mean, I know that in your somewhere in your article, because it is pretty lengthy and it's quite descript- descriptive. Uh, somewhere you mention that he had said, you know, he, he didn't he he served as a police officer, but he tended to be kind of more lenient and uh, you know didn't really enforce things. Did he ever, you know, tell you he was sorry about what he the offenses that he might have committed?
1: Well, first of all, I don't know to what degree there may be some attempt to downplay the role, you know, the Mm -hmm. the extent of his involvement. That's possible. Um, I don't believe he ever said the words, I'm sorry, I I didn't ask him to tell you the truth. But um, I think that kind of remorse did come through in the general comments he was making. And um, just the realization, I think uh, my impression was that he was sold on a certain... uh, Idea that this was what he was going to was kind of a, a utopian Islamic society where you know everything would would be perfect, um, and uh, would be the realization of some you know great dream. And when he got there, he just saw killing and blood and uh, murder and hypocrisy, as he as he explained it to me. Um, ISIS saying they stand for certain principles, but then breaking them on a on a daily basis. And so I think he um, he's realized that this was a huge mistake.
0: He says he's um, moved on. Do you believe that?
1: You know, I just don't know. And um, the security, you know, industry industry or whatever you want to call it, apparatus, they do have tools that they use for assessing um, people to try and gauge their level of radicalization, mm-hmm. and I suspect that has happened. And I also suspect that if they judged him to be you know, a, a threat uh, at the moment, they would probably have done something. Um, they seem to be in a situation where they don't have the evidence to charge him, and they're perhaps leaving him um, in hands that they feel may be capable of helping him reintegrate. Um, into Canadian society and moving on, and not becoming problematic as some returnees have in the past. Frankly, They've, right, the people have returned to Canada, gone on to plot, and become kind of um, uh, either fundraisers or people that help indoctrinate a new generation into these these ideas. So um, that's the big concern.
0: You mentioned the hands he's been left in. Uh, we're going to talk with Mubin Sheikh, who probably is one of the people you're referring to. He is an expert on uh, de-radicalization and radicalization, and he's going to join us next. Stuart, it's a great read. Um, it, you know, I'm sure it took a lot of time to put this together, and I highly recommend if uh, you have some time, sit down. Uh, give yourself a, a, a moment to sit down and, and read this great piece written by Stuart Bell. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, by the way, if you want to find it, it's on our website, at 640toronto.com is the website and it'll take you, I don't know, 10 minutes, but it's totally worth it. Very informative. We're talking to Mubin Sheikh about this particular guy who worked with ISIS. He's returned to Canada. You know, Has he moved on? We'll ask Mubin. He works with him. It's Talk Radio, AM640 Toronto.